0: What's really going on in the heads and hearts of the humans around you? I'm Mads Grummet, journalist, entrepreneur and startup investor. And I'm Sabina Reid, psychologist, speaker and media commentator. And this is Human Cogs a podcast about the universal experiences that really matter and the candid conversations we need to have to share them. If you like Human Cogs, we'd love you to hit subscribe and please leave us a star rating. That way we can keep bringing you more stories from Extraordinary Ordinaries to help us all do human well. Ange Harbinson is an entrepreneur, tech and innovation trailblazer digital strategist and lover of all things data. In 2019, when she was still the managing director of Thirst Creative, a marketing design and digital agency that she co-founded with her husband, Ange saw a gap in the market for online resources to support people going through separation and divorce. And so she co-founded the Separation Guide. The Separation Guide is a divorce technology platform designed to make separation and divorce simpler and less stressful by providing resources, guidance, and referrals. Utilising her marketing now and her passion for social impact, the Separation Guide has already helped close to 300,000 people, and the resources on offer continue to grow. With approximately 40% of marriages ending in divorce, the ripple effect is wide-reaching, impacting not only the separating couple, but also family, children and friends, as well as the workplace. I invited Ange on Human Cogs because I've seen firsthand many friends and clients struggle to navigate the emotional, legal, financial and relational challenges that separation can create. And it's clear people are in need of more support and a roadmap to help them navigate the complexities and pain of separation. In this conversation, Ange highlights the four different pathways that can be taken when a couple separates, emphasising the goal is to avoid costly court proceedings wherever possible. She references a podcast available on her site, which helps educate parents on how to tell their children that they're separating. And she explains some of the impacts of divorce on the workforce, including reduced productivity and absenteeism. This is a practical chat that will interest anyone who is thinking about or in the process of separating. It's a pragmatic yet hopeful exchange and I hope it will help minimise divorce stigma and shame and help dial up a sense of agency and empowerment for anyone experiencing the end of a marriage. Here's my conversation with Ange. Ange, thanks for joining us on Human Cogs. We're talking about separation and divorce today, which is an experience that touches so many of us, either as partners, as parents, as children, and of course, our working, our working selves as well. What are the current stats around divorce in Australia? How many of us are getting divorced
1: They say that around 40% of marriages or or relationships will end in a separation. So we calculate that that's at around 220,000 Australians that would be experiencing a separation right now.
0: Mm -hmm. So that is a lot of people being impacted by something which really changes every part of your life, doesn't it? Financial, emotional, identity, home, work, parenting. Every part of us is Mm. impacted. Your background was in the marketing world. Tell us a bit about where you came from before you got before you've co-founded The Separation Guide?
1: Yeah, look, I've, I spent quite a lot of time working, as you said, in, in marketing, and a lot of it was around customer experience and how to create a really good customer experience for people. So I worked actually in in corporate. Um, I worked for a law firm, a big law firm for a while called Mallisons. I worked uh, at a big bank, uh, and I also worked for an accounting firm for a while, as well as sort of online uh, education and technology businesses. Uh, before starting um, and working with my husband, uh, growing a digital agency, and that was a marketing brand and digital agency called Thirst Creative. and. From that, I got the pleasure of, of actually consulting to a huge number of different businesses and really about connecting what consumers need uh, with the needs of a business and, and how they can connect together. And that's where, you know, the idea of the separation guide really came from was I personally saw 30 or 40 of my friends that had been through this really horrible situation and and been through divorces and not many had a very good story to tell about their experience. And it sort of struck me that a lot of the pain comes from not knowing how to navigate it. You're, You're at this really emotional point in your life as you said, your whole world is just turned upside down. It's very private. A lot of people are not, haven't even told their family members that they're going through it. And you're having to deal with all these things about where do I live, how do I tell my children, how do I tell my family, will my friends still be my friends, as well as what do I need to do here? like what are, Can I afford this? Uh, where am I going to live? It's so many things. Mm. Um, and who do I get advice from and what do I need to do in the system to, to get through this really tricky time in my life?
0: Mm.
1: And what we found was that a lot of the information was really quite confrontational and a lot of talk of the court and it didn't really resonate with a lot of people and particularly when you're at a really vulnerable stage reading pages and pages of legal jargon just really frazzles people even more. And so that's where we thought, well, why don't we create something that helps guide and educate and does it in plain English Mm -hmm. so we can all understand it. Um, But at the same time, by doing that um, and answering those questions, it's giving information about little facts that you need to know along the way. Um, And that's where the concept of of the separation guide and our our Q&A came from. So
0: if I hopped on the separation guard or for our listeners, what are they going to find? A
1: lot of very useful information. The biggest thing we find when people do the Q&A is they they finish and they do this, oh, Mm. I know what to do now. I feel so much better because I think part of it is this big unknown Mm. and a lot of it I think is particularly women I think think I'm not going to get anything and that creates this huge amount of fear. And the guide actually really helps you understand things like um, if someone's been a, a primary caregiver in the relationship, what that means and how the law would look at that um, if you were dividing, say, your assets and liabilities. If, if someone has stayed at home with the children, spent, taken time out of the workforce and therefore maybe their career Hasn't, they haven't earned the same salary as their partner, they haven't got the same superannuation as their partner, and maybe their long-term needs are a little bit different, um, the law would look at that when they're, it's evaluating what fairness would look like. Um, and so we tell people that. We say, hey, were you the primary caregiver or was it equal? You know, the superannuation is part of the asset pool and, and that's how that, that may be considered and split when you do go through the, your separation
0: and I imagine that people might come to the separation guide at different junctures of their mm. of their experience and of their separation or divorce. So some people may come in the early days as sort of an exploratory recce. What would it be like if we separate? What what do I need to consider here? Is this feasible for for us? And I imagine you've also got people who are further down the track who may have found some real uh, hurdles or roadblocks or challenges and they're now looking to upskill or perhaps change trajectory or change direction in their approach to the separation or the divorce?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. We have around 30% of people that come to the site are actually thinking about separating. So they are exploring and, and I think you've Told me a step before Sabina that you know some people can be in that that state of ambivalence for up to seven years. Yeah, so we know that that's real, and um and we do give resources and things to help people in those early stages to think about what they might need to consider. Um and but we also put forward things like marriage counselling. Mm-hmm. Um you know have you considered marriage counselling? Is there a chance that you could save the marriage? Um so we put that forward, and that's that's often well received, and a lot of people do. Um, Take that up before making that big decision that, yes, it is time to separate. This
0: is a more of an emotional, um, psychological question, but for so many people and perhaps culturally, we view divorce as a failure.
1: Yeah.
0: Nobody gets married with the idea that perhaps one day they'll be divorced. How can we reframe that? Because that's that's not Mm. the belief that I hold. Um, I've talked to so many people, clients, friends, media, strangers around this topic that longevity is not necessarily the best metric of a healthy relationship. How long we spend together doesn't Mm. always reflect um, it's it's worth and I think that's that's music to the ears of people who are separating realizing that there's a lot of gifts in the relationship and there has been and often children of course involved as well um, how, how what are your thoughts on how we can reframe that idea that it's a mm. failure
1: yeah it's such an ingrained thing isn't it it's, I find it actually fascinating um, there's this shame about even speaking of divorce uh, even on you know, I I might share things on on social media about things to do with what we're doing with the separation guide. And it's interesting how different people engage in the the conversations with different topics that I put forward. Uh, And I, I do find that that is just something that is, there's this, it's a taboo topic, but it doesn't need to be that way. And as you say, you know, happiness is the most important thing. We see a lot of people who have left a, a very unhappy relationship and go on to have a very happy life, whether that's by themselves or with someone else afterwards. And they say that Look, that was the best decision I've made. And that was the best decision for my children as well um, to not be suffering through what really is a loveless, a loveless love marriage. We change jobs. We recognize that something hasn't worked in projects that we do and we try again. Um, and I think, yeah, separation should be considered with the same lens.
0: Mm, I agree. I agree with you. What do you think some of the most challenging aspects are to separation and divorce? What are you seeing through the separation guide that people
1: are really struggling with? The The emotion of it is a, a big part of it that, as we touched on the, the feeling of failure and getting past that. There's a phase that people go through where they're really working through what that looks like emotionally before they're actually ready to start talking about some of the more legal or financial elements uh, that they need to. Another thing that that can be quite confronting is quite often one person might be the initiator of a separation and the other – is still maybe a few months or six months behind or even 12 months behind in their grieving process to be ready to have those conversations.
0: That has been my experience clinically seeing couples through the years that – never are two people on the same page at this at the same place at the same, same time. time and as you say one's playing catch up and it can feel very much for the person who hasn't initiated that the other person has made this decision so quickly has moved on has let go might be dating again very soon or you know have grand plans for where they're going to live and how their life's going to look and often that's because as as you and I are discussing, they've been thinking about it for years and years and years or they checked out emotionally of the relationship years ago. So they did the grieving way back when and the other person is is needing to play catch-up and I think that's that's something I've observed that's very painful, particularly for the non-initiator. The other thought I have about that is the person who initiates often gets criticized or, or blamed or um, attacked perhaps by the family members or friends that they've broken this relationship up and I think I've, I've said before even on human cogs that I think it's that person is almost the mouthpiece for the relationship in some ways mm, yeah which is
1: a tough it's a tough gig to initiate a separation it really is yeah I think it really is you're mm. right and I think that um that framing of how you have the conversation with family members. I mean, a big part of what we're about is trying to help people find more amicable ways to separate, Um, and that's through the process that we introduce to people but also, you know, ways that you can communicate with each other and with your children and even with your family members and friends in a way that that signals to them, hey, listen, we're actually – This has been a really hard decision to make, but we're not fighting about that. You know, we're going to be parenting forever, as an example, and this is how we would like to represent because quite often you see people go, oh, well, I'm on his side or I'm on her side or they've done the wrong thing and that they can play into conversations um, with you thinking that they're supporting you but in some ways it, it can create escalation when it, it's not necessarily there. There's, there are other ways to support your friends or your family members mm-hmm. uh, rather than trying to make it a fight. Yes. What are some of the tips that you've got for
0: um, telling children and also telling family and also telling friends? In fact, it's just made me think that... Um, Matt and Janie Martino, who have been past guests on the Human, on Human Cogs, if you wanted to go back and listen to our listeners to those uh, episodes, they, they are actually a couple that I worked with clinically, who have since become friends, and we did have the allotted amount of years between being therapists and friends um, that are required in the industry as a psychologist. But they have a really—they had a very amicable separation, and they still have weekly dinners together. And that's why I had them on the pod. I—I th- I think we need to have more examples of ways to do separation well
1: yeah I agree
0: and they wrote a letter to the people in their inner circle i love that and explained what it meant to them and what they needed from those people that they loved and needed the care and you know the two-way care and support so i wondered what some of your tips might be around that
1: yeah, look, there's, we've got a great podcast um, actually on the site, um, and you can find it anywhere uh, about telling the children. And it's a very popular one; a lot of people do listen to that, and that really helps because you know framing that conversation with your kids mm. that it's um, you know it's not about them, we still love you, all of those things, and and doing it in a place where they feel comfortable. Uh, but yeah, do listen to that that podcast if you want um, direct information about that. Um, in terms of, um, I guess, telling your family members, I often um, think there's a, an opportunity if it, if you can to talk to say grandparents together, so they're all hearing the same thing, and say, look, this hasn't worked. It's really this is really hard for us, um, but we really do want to move forward with the best interests of the kids. And you can help us with that by helping us keep this as a family unit, just maybe living in separate separate homes, Mm. um, but we still really want to support the family as best we can.
0: Mm. Which kind of mirrors what Janie and Matt did, that it's really being specific and asking for what you need from people to support you in this process. Sometimes we don't know what we need, so that makes it hard to ask for it.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's a lot about what we're trying to do is, is showing what good divorce can look like and giving people tips around that. So... Even with the parts of the the Q and A, what that does is actually becomes a brief to professionals. So when professionals are then connecting with you and you're you're making a booking with them, they'll see what you've you've told about different situations, and and you get there's options that you can do at various points of your intake to sort of help select what could work for you. So um, parenting is a really good example when people have separated; they they actually don't know. What that could look like, what the possibilities are. So, sort of framing up. Well, some people do, you know, Thursday to Tuesday or whatever it might be, and we alternate Christmas every year, or we have birth, we switch 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 days. The the kids have their birthday with each parent. Just giving them a few little frameworks to to sort of hold on to to choose from can really help in framing up. what what you'd like that to look like in the future.
0: And you're also putting people in touch with a whole range of experts, so lawyers, counsellors, financial advisors. Who else? What else?
1: Yeah, so we've got um, a lot of people on the the network that can support in various ways and and that's really part of – why this solution works is because you you need lots of different support at different times. Uh, so we have divorce coaches, which um, some of which have sort of a psychology or counselling type background and, and some specialise just in women, some with just men. Um, we have uh, financial coaches is an area where we are seeing a lot of demand at the moment. So. Um, particularly, women are feeling sort of quite vulnerable around the finance element of the separation. So that's a, that's a big area that we're we're working on building up even further. Um, and then, as I say, mediators and lawyers, which most people will need as as some way going through the process. Um, and there's also things like child support consultants or even information about legal financing. So if you feel that you're, you don't have the means to pay for what it may cost to, to go through this, um, there are options available where you can um, take out a loan on the basis of your um, property. Usually you can borrow against um, any property that you might have.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of people equate the courts with mm. divorce, but that's not necessarily the only option, is it? There's there's many steps well before court yeah. court comes along. What are they?
1: So there's a few options. So when you go through our Q and A, we actually um, pa- pass through three different main options that people can have so one is um, that you're very amicable and you're there's a great level of trust between you about and you have a fair understanding of what the law is and how that would work and so people can do it themselves so really come to an agreement together and then meet with a lawyer to have that finalized into um, consent orders which is what makes it legally binding and that protects you um the next is what we call guided separation which is a mediation first approach and it it flips somewhat of traditional mediation in that it is a legally qualified mediator an ftrp which is a family dispute resolution practitioner and they work with you as a couple. So if you're really amicable, um, you just don't maybe know what fairness looks like but you you really want to work together to reach an outcome, that is a, the best possible way to do so. And you'll work with the mediator, you'll understand, you'll each put in what, what you'd, your wishes are, what all the assets and liabilities are, and they will provide advice to the mediation about what fairness looks like in the eyes of the law. And then you'll each go off to independent solicitors at the end of the process to have that fairness check done and have it made into consent orders. And we see that that process is a much faster process than the traditional meet with your lawyers, each meet with lawyers first and then come together to mediation. It's bringing the timeframe and the cost in quite considerably. And then the third option is what we call independent legal advice. And that typically comes in where maybe there is less trust um, or amicability within the relationship. Maybe there's a power imbalance or perhaps there may have been some family violence involved in the separation where mediation may be not appropriate for it. Um, and that's that's great. You can work with independent solicitors um, and everyone in the network signs an a, a an ethical charter around, um, this ethos of court as a last resort, Mm. like a big focus of what we've created is, is trying to keep as many people as possible outside of the court system and giving you the toolkit to do so by giving you resources like blogs and podcasts and checklists and videos, um, along with the, the support of really good professionals, um, to help you get through in the best possible way.
0: Mm. Uh, that's one of the tools that I saw on the website it's um, a divorce and separation checklist with 15 steps that even looking at that if you're considering separation can help you identify which you've considered which you haven't and what some of those areas look like so
1: it's really simple tools isn't it that you've created yeah it is I mean it's just trying to take some of the I guess some of the, that maze that you feel like you're trying to travel down and, and help you go through it in a step-by-step approach. And, yeah, I guess my background in in the tech side is I think the exciting and innovative part of what we've created is we've come into to this really wanting to make a difference and make a social impact with the work we're doing because what probably a lot of people don't know is the societal impact of of separation and, and how it impacts people beyond just the couple that are going through it. Um, and we see a lot of people that have been through bad separations, which, you know, end up in really long and drawn out family court processes. That's taking years and years of your life uh, where you're in really high stress, costing a lot of money. I've seen, you know, results, you know, more than four hundred thousand dollars going through these long, drawn-out court battles, which can be quite crippling for people financially. But those people tend to have higher rates of anxiety and depression. Mm. There's higher rates of suicide in those people, higher rates of family violence. Um, much higher rates of financial poverty and homelessness and particularly in women and generational impacts on children. so um, there's there's so many things it, it's linked to crime even higher rates of murder are linked where there's been coercive control and and people have been you know caught up in that um, long system. And then we see the other side is um, the impact on the workplace mm-hmm. because you know obviously you're going through this really, really difficult time it's the second most stressful thing that people will experience in their lifetime second only to um, the death of a loved one so it is quite a big event you know
0: marriage is in that top 10
1: as well yeah yeah
0: <laughs> which is interesting yeah marriage interesting. and divorce hit the top Both 10 stressful top, top 10 <laughs> stressful events and the yeah the stress scale yeah
1: but but when you're going through that i guess there's no, there's no doubt that it's going to impact you at work, you know. So we see um, productivity. Um, people tend to have higher rates of absenteeism uh, when they're going through it, and you know their decision making ability is faltered at that time. You, you're when you're in, you're trying to process so many big things. Um, there, there is that risk at the workplace as well that you know you're maybe not at your best and, and not necessarily able to make the same decisions that you would if you were. Not in a fight and flight response mode. What could employers do or managers
0: if you if you manage other humans? What what are some tips that a manager could take mm. on board to help support someone who's going through a separation or, or divorce in the workplace?
1: Yeah, great question. I think digging a little deeper, like if you're seeing someone who's maybe not their normal self, so if they are um, maybe absent a little bit more or Maybe you're noticing their productivity has dropped away a little bit, Um, sometimes just digging a little bit deeper to understand what that might be. And I think managers are often quite cautious to delve into this space because it is a highly specialised space. Um, but there are resources available and, and that's um, one of the things we're working on at the moment is developing an EAP-style product where employers can actually support their staff members through this. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it is. It's a, it's a challenging time and if there's anything that can be done to sort of make it a bit easier, um, certainly the evidence that we see from all the research we've done is that those that um, do have access to early education and professional support have far better outcomes. So we've got metric every metric that we measured of those that had received that versus those that hadn't received it. Better metrics like the cost was reduced by up to 52%. Uh, the time was reduced by 24%. The stress level was reduced by 11% people leaving their jobs. So a lot of people will leave their job as a result of going through a separation and 17% of people will leave their job if they haven't had that versus in our example group, nobody left their job when they had received that information and support. So there's a a lot of data there that really supports it and probably from a societal level even more. So really that's where where government and, and other stakeholders are sort of paying for this cost. We saw an 837% increase in amicable outcomes um, just by doing this and having this early education and that's a really good thing for the individual but it's also a really good thing for society Mm. as well.
0: What's the fee structure for people who are accessing resources at the separation
1: guide? So the Q&A is a free resource for anyone to use and through that you can have free access um, to book a consult, a free 15-minute cons- consult with any of the professionals that are linked to the site. The guided package, which is uh, what's about to be released, is actually a 12-month guided plan and that starts from $99 per month where you have everything – bundled in, you can log in and work through all the legal, financial, health and wellbeing requirements of the whole separation and also be connected through to people. There's also another option which allows you to have connection through with a a session, one hour session with a a lawyer or mediator, a session with a divorce coach or counsellor um, a session with a financial coach and also a session with a mortgage broker, if you've got property, um, to help you understand what your borrowing power might be moving forward. And and that's a that's a package that we we see that uh, health funds, super funds, and employers can sponsor their staff members or their members to go through. Mm.
0: What I mean, that's a real gift, isn't it, for a for a manager or an employer to offer that and to fund that will help provide resources and assurance, which will impact positively on the bottom line at the workplace.
1: Absolutely. And we've actually got um, statistics around what the cost actually is to employers um, each year and it's quite significant. So the return on investment is a 1,300% return on investment for the cost that it, it will be. Compared to um, the saving that you will have by having your staff members feel supported through that time.
0: What about in the schoolyard? I'm thinking about all the mm. different places where divorce touches people. And again, like employers, a lot of teachers will not feel well skilled in supporting mm. a student they are, who they know
1: whose parents are separating do you go into schools in any way or work in that space that's absolutely a plan for us so we're, we're hoping to open up conversations with the broader education department um, but to be able to get into schools because they are one of the early intervention points um, often they may see behaviors with children in the schoolyard if they're or you know whether it's bullying or change to behavior or differences in their um, their schooling um, so we do see that as a, a really great opportunity to to educate through teachers and and through the school. There's so many different, so many different opportunities here. it It mm. must boggle your mind in some ways. Oh, that you- honestly, Sabina, I don't sleep that well because I have so many ideas of how we could do this and not enough hours to to get it out there. And I am really kind of driven by the feedback that we get from people of how impactful this is to them. And then, I'm such a data nerd seeing all of the data play out of how impactful it actually is 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 quite significant
0: if there are people listening who think that they could offer their resources so if we had any psychologists
1: or lawyers or coaches listening how do they get involved just jump onto the separation guide site there's a section there um, we have a network members section for professionals um, for employers, there's an employer page. Um, so you can look at, at the employee assisted program section there um, and look at the packages available there. Um, and for anyone that's going through a separation, the best place to start is by doing the Q&A on the site because mm. it really does help and makes a big difference.
0: Do you notice gender? I mean, you've got all your stats. Mm-hmm. What are some of the gendered differences that you see?
1: So for people going through the separation guide, it's about – a split, so 60% female and 40% male. Some of the biggest gender differences we see is around finances. I think women in general are not as comfortable around that area and they don't know where the money is. What we've found with our, our research is that a lot of women feel a bit uncomfortable navigating that stage and they were the ones that were reaching out for financial assistance. Um, But it wasn't necessarily wealth planning, long-term wealth planning advice they needed. It's actually short-term, you know, coaching, financial coaching and really just helping to understand some of the jargon that's involved in understanding all your finances because that's quite confronting
0: do you think some of the takeaway tips might be for people who are married and not looking at getting separated? Because there must be some some deep insights and, and
1: takeaways. Oh, I have learnt so much through doing this. It's it's fascinating. Just the way in which you frame conversations, I think, is one of the biggest takeouts that I've had. And you know, I've been lucky to spend a lot of time with the mediators in our network and just listen to the way that they frame and position things. Um, and that certainly helped me with my own relationship with my husband and, and also my relationship with my children and the way that I frame that up. Yeah, there, there's just so much you can learn, I think, from watching that. But um, but more so, I mean, I'm in my mid-40s I know a lot of people around me that have been through this. So just being able to help in the way that I frame conversations with them or their partners if they do separate and trying to, I guess, role model for others, you know, not making an enemy of each other because um, that doesn't really help.
0: And I guess I was thinking about um, the financial element because if we know that women are needing help in that area when they're in the process of separation or divorce, then that seems like an opportunity for married couples to try and balance the ledger there in with regards to knowledge and access and awareness. Absolutely.
1: I mean this is an area I'm quite passionate about actually and I've been I've got two daughters so I talk a lot to them about. Okay, let's talk about these finances and what does this mean and, and really I think financial education at a young age of getting having women more exposed to that. I mean statistically there's about 46% of the finance sector is women and the rest are male, so that, that number is definitely stacking up. It's probably higher than what I thought it might have been. Mm. But, yeah, financial literacy, I mean sadly you know, I'm seeing my parents and where they might lose – lose their partner, that reliance on one partner, we take on these gender roles to an extent and be like, oh, he's good at that so you know, he can take on that yes. part of the relationship.
0: But yes, I think that's really challenging for a lot of couples because it makes sense to play to your strengths. Yeah, Both partners in a in a marriage will have different strengths and different areas of interest and expertise. But when you abdicate really all responsibility to one person, that leaves a power imbalance. It does. This conversation's making me think of quite a few of our past guests and I'm thinking about a recent conversation I had with Jeremy McVeigh, who was on Human Cogs um, not long ago and he raised a really valid point. He said we seek 50-50 custody of our children after we've separated but how many families when they're married or how many couples when they're still married Talk about a 50 50 split in the parenting department. And, and I just never thought about it that way before that that's something that we're very clear that we want 50 50. Most couples are when mm. they separate, but that's not how we live our lives.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? So
0: that might be another takeaway that, you know, another divorce takeaway that we can take into married life.
1: Absolutely. Um, I, I think you're sharing, sharing the load on that. I mean, we're seeing a lot more in the workplace support of that from a now with parental leave and equal parental leave for male and female. And and I know certainly with some of my younger friends that are going through, they are taking that up. Whereas probably when I went through that that wasn't as much of a thing. Mm. Um so yeah, I think that's fantastic to see and and to be around your children from a young age. I know we, I employ a lot of people and uh, we've got some young dads in our team and you know, seeing them sharing that working load and, and actually working part-time to make sure that they are spending time with their children. I think it's really fantastic um, things to take in.
0: So what would some of your top tips be? If anyone's listening and they're thinking, I didn't know that the separation guide existed, What can I take away with that? I mean, of course people will dip in and out of what's most relevant to them, but what would your top five tips for a healthy divorce be?
1: Firstly, educate yourself on what you need to know because that really helps to reduce your stress. Don't shy away from working with professionals because the results actually show that you'll end up with a better result and it actually won't cost you as much, if you are getting the right advice at the right time,
0: and that doesn't always mean a lawyer, does it? At That's right. Five hundred dollars an hour. That's there's so right. Many other people, and who can... and
1: you know, making sure helping helping you to do some of that work yourself to prepare and be ready for that, because you know, if you are still really vulnerable, there's no point picking up the phone and talking to your lawyer and crying on the phone to them. They're not a counselor, yeah. so really getting yourself to that right point of readiness. I think being really mindful of of the conversations you have with one another and the conversations you have with your children and how you frame that because that can frame the whole whole way you move forward.
0: I'm hearing you say very, very loudly the importance of being resourced during, and, and, and everything's here in the one place for you, which is... I, is there anything like the separation guide in the world? Have you done...?
1: Look, we've, we've done a lot of research um, globally to see and there's nothing that really brings it all together, I think... One of the things with ours is our platform tries to bring together the needs of consumers, the needs of professionals, the needs of government and the needs of employers all in one place um, because they really are all of the stakeholders, the main stakeholders that are going through a separation. And we're trying to make that process of connection between those different people easier mm. um, because that's part of the pain point, I think, when you're working through this, the time frame a lot of people never have not worked with a lawyer before and they get quite frustrated with how long it takes and they don't understand why it takes a long time and it, and it is quite complex. You know, the, the law, there's, there's lots of um, regulatory requirements that they need to work through and things do take, some time um, but the, with some of the, the technology that we've been able to put in place we, we can show that we're bringing that time frame in and, and helping to join some of the dots of you know what's ha- happening and when you give your information to you. How long it should it take for them, them to come back to you and um, give you that next piece of advice? And lastly,
0: the children, we've talked about children at school, what do you think children need most to cope well with divorce and separation? And I will just, um, a caveat I suppose to that is that I've had so many people over the years say to me if we hadn't divorced I don't think our child would be struggling with A, B or C and I'm very quick to say to them I've worked with so many families whose parents are married and the children are dealing with a b and c yeah. so not to beat yourself up i think there needs to be a level of comp- self compassion that children struggle all children struggle with something and to blame the struggles on the separation it just beats yourself up it does it's not helpful it's just something i've heard a lot of parents say that i'm quick to you know invite them to reframe i guess what do you think kids need
1: if Kids can be—it's all about modeling behaviors, right? So if they can see that you're able to speak to one another in a in a positive way, you don't have to be in love with one another anymore to have a decent conversation with one another and, and treat each other with respect. Um, and that's ultimately what you want your you want your own kids to to do in the future as well. So I think yeah, modeling that kind of behavior after separation is is the best way, board. Mm. But I'm not a psychologist. You are. <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> but I, but you're obviously
0: seeing a lot of you're having a lot of exposure to stories. Are you firsthand yourself hearing people's stories, or are you look? We
1: have a customer support team that do um, have a lot of that face to face. Or. Over the phone, sort of contact with people, I hear a lot of it um, through just different feedback and surveys. And we we do survey and and speak to our customers to really understand what they're going through and what their pain points are, mm. so we can try and help improve um, the platform and and make it easier for them and give them information and content that will support them.
0: Mm.
1: All right. Well, and thank you. I think um,
0: this will be a. a- an invaluable resource for so many people who are considering or in the process of separation or divorce. Um, As you know, we finish all our pods with the the same question and that question is who do you think is doing human well?
1: I listen to a lot of your podcasts, Sabina, try to come up with a name and I couldn't come up with a name but I I do have two friends of mine that I think uh, have the characteristics of what I think are people doing human well. They are quite optimistic people. They they enter life with that growth mindset of anything's possible, which I think I really love. They're people that have overcome some kind of trauma in their life, but they have the resilience to keep going, um, and that doesn't hold them back in what they're doing. I think resilience is a really strong um, trait that we all need a bit of in our life. Um, And I think the other one is that they're probably – some of the biggest givers um, that I know in that they'll always do something for other people and Mm. have a big heart, even perhaps when they've got some things going on for themselves, they're the first ones to give to others and I really admire those traits in in humans.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. No one's ever answered that question with more generalist traits, but optimism, so important. You said growth mindset and resilience and caring and thoughtful for other people. Yeah. I agree with you. They are people doing human well. Thank you for joining us, Ange.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Human Cogs. We hope that this conversation has led you to think a little bit differently about yourself and those around you. And thank you for all the amazing feedback that we get about these conversations. If you do like human cogs and what we're doing, we would love you to hit subscribe and please leave us a star rating. What that means is we can keep bringing you more stories from extraordinary ordinaries to help us all do human well.